Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Rodriguez, and today's guest is Mr. Ben Dubin. And Ben is a firefighter paramedic with the Tempe Fire Medical Rescue Department here in Arizona and an advocate of and practitioner of focused breathwork and the Wim Hof Method. In this episode, Ben and I talk about his passions, mental and physical health and wellness, and his journey to finding it. Ben's journey to discovering his inner truth and helping others find their inner truth is dynamic and touching, and I'm sure this conversation will inspire you as it has inspired me. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Ben Dubin. All right, Mr. Ben Dubin, how are you doing, my man? Doing good, Ryan. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Um, we just we talked a little bit before we we hit record here, and we have a mutual friend that uh, put us in contact with each other, which I thought was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like the cold therapy and stuff, and we'll get into all this in a little bit. But it's been on my radar for for quite a long time, actually. And then uh, I just so happened to be talking about it, and he put us in touch, and so I'm glad you're able to come on the show. No, I appreciate you having me, and like I, I appreciate you doing this sort of stuff to, you know, get like-minded people talking about important, important stuff for us, especially in the fire service. So it's, it's, it's good to have people like you around that, that are passionate about bringing these conversations to the forefront. So it's fantastic. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Um, but why don't you give us just a short little info or a little intro mm-hmm. as to uh, who you are, where you're, where you're at and what you're about. Sure. Well, I don't know how short that can be. You know, I'm 38 years old, so I have a we'll dive a deeper. Bit we'll dive about, deeper in a little bit. You know, compared to when I was in my 20s. But my name is, you know, Ben Dubin. I'm a Phoenix native, so born and raised here in in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, spent most of my life here, outside of a, a couple of years here and there. And um, currently, I'm a firefighter paramedic for the Tempe Fire Medical Rescue here in the Valley. Uh, previous to working for Tempe, I was a firefighter paramedic for Colorado Springs Fire Department up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I was there for roughly three and a half years. And then previous to that, I got my start in the fire service EMS with Tempe back in 2010 as a civilian paramedic. Uh, working at uh, Medic 276, which is kind of the first start of their program to start to bring their own ambulances into service. Uh, so that was my first exposure to the fire department, EMS, you know, all that, all that good stuff. And then kind of keep going back from there. I, before getting into the fire service, I worked as a performance specialist or strength and conditioning coach for a company that was then called Athletes Performance. Uh, they're now called Exos. Uh, they have multiple facilities around the country, kind of throughout the world. And, you know, the main goal there is this upgrading lives um, from elite athletes to high school and college kids and you know, literally everything, everything in between. And before that, I was in college. I finished up my degree at Arizona State University. I have a degree in kinesiology with a concentration in exercise science. Um, I played some baseball in college, not at Arizona State. I played some junior college baseball here in Arizona at Glendale Community College and then played at a Division II in New Mexico called Highlands University. So got to experience some, some good baseball and got to learn a lot about myself and really develop me you know, as a human being and had some great coaches that helped mentor me and, and teach me you know, kind of the right way to go about business, even though it's baseball, it's 
still important to, you know, hard work and dedication, discipline, all that good stuff. And, you know, it came time to hang up the cleats after my junior year. And that's when I kind of shifted my focus uh, from playing sports and, and baseball to more the school and want to finish my degree and wanted to go into the performance industry somehow. And that's how I got aligned with athletes performances through doing an internship there and then being fortunate enough to, to start coaching there shortly after. And in fact, I've been around there since they moved to Arizona back in 2001. I trained there as an athlete when I played baseball at Horizon High School, also here in the Valley. I uh, got a chance to experience it on the athlete side. And then, like I said, the stars aligned and I got lucky enough to be able to experience that culture and that industry um, from a coaching perspective. And, you know, yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, and you said you were a, you were a performance coach there at Exos. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Um, what, uh, what, what internship or program did you go through there? So every year they have interns that, that work there. It's usually part of your college degree where you need to right. do either back when I was going through back in, you know, 2006, there was a whole semester. It's an unpaid internship and, you know, it's, kind of about putting the work in and learning from these really elite coaches about what it takes to be a coach, the art of coaching, you know, how to work with the different cultures of the, the different athletes. Cause in, you know, one group, you could have professional baseball, professional football, hockey, and you have to know how to use communication and use language and use programming to get all these athletes on the same page and, and improve them, you know, to get them where they want to be, to be able to compete at the, at the highest level. And so nowadays, I know things have changed a little bit, but I just got back from there. I just got done working out over there and they have interns filtering through every semester and it's something that's applied for. And it's very competitive nowadays because it's a fairly sought after internship. Um, and so, yeah, it's usually just through the college. And then, you know, there's just kind of a hiring process. I'll put that in quotes, because like I said, it's unpaid, but you know, there'll be an interview process and, and they kind of select the best of the best to to go be an intern um, at one of their facilities throughout the country. Yeah, I know as uh, as the industry kind of morphs, um, and I know as athletes' performance is transitioned into Exos, and I know as like the the kinesiology world kind of expands, there absolutely is a as a higher demand. So I can totally understand that. Um, I know that uh, kinesiology really goes hand in hand when it comes to like athletic performance and uh, sports and all of that. But at the same time, I feel like it's a pretty smooth transition to firefighting, mm -hmm. you know, firefighting, uh, being fit for duty and, and all of that. So would you talk a little bit about how that, how that crosses over and how that plays into what it is that we do and how that's a, how that's a benefit for our, our profession? No, absolutely. That's a fantastic question. And I mean, most of us believe the fact that most firefighters need to be in a certain kind of shape, um, sustainable shape to do this sort of career for 20, 25, 30 years. And, you know, having a background and understanding of the biomechanics of how the body moves or how the body is supposed to move in an ideal environment versus how our bodies do move when we start throwing on our gear and start humping hose and climbing upstairs and carrying heavy things and trying to find a way to maybe implement certain strategies, certain ideas, certain concepts 
to help you know myself and our members move better move well and move often you know with the overall goal of you know reducing the risk of injury and also increasing performance at the same time so you know there's definitely a huge crossover and then you can talk about just the anatomy physiology part you know being a paramedic as well anatomy physiology is an absolute must to understand when we're working with the our customers and working with these patients of what's affected how is it affected what am i giving them and how is that going to affect them at a physiological level you know so not only does you know that kinesiology exercise science concept apply on the fitness the physical side of what we do it also you know applies to the medical side of what we do and there's this tremendous tremendous crossover and it's it's been absolutely phenomenal to have in organizations such as tempe you know support some of the ideas and concepts that have, we've been bringing forward to hopefully help our members you know move better move well move often and like i said with the overall goal of hopefully reducing the risk of injury increasing performance and getting our members not only to improve in a short time frame but like i said to be sustainable so when it's time for that retirement at 20 25 years we're not broken down we're not hurt you can reap the benefits of all the hard work that you put in during a very challenging career and enjoy your retirement whatever you want to go play golf play with your grandkids and not have this job impact you like maybe it's impacted generations in the past yeah i totally get that um we we often hear that uh our profession firefighting is not a young man's game but man when it comes to paying attention to your body and like you said moving well moving often keeping it prepped and and ready to perform age doesn't really seem to even matter all that much anymore i mean as long as you're paying attention to like you said that programming and being conscious um you're you're just setting yourself up for success and then for that that long retirement i totally yeah. agree with that yeah and I, and I couldn't agree more like i said we don't have the luxury of having a three five seven year career we have yeah. a you know, 25 year career where you could be doing the same job at 55 that there's a kid coming in at 25 that the expectations don't change yeah the movements don't change and so our goal is to create sustainable systems to keep them in place to you know keep our members healthy for a long period of time and like to get them to the end goal of retiring healthy and retiring happy yeah enjoying their life right exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we spend so many time uh, in the service of others that we get to the point where we're retiring and, and our career is coming to an ending and we sometimes we get kind of lost in that and uh the health kind of follows the mind right i mean mm -hmm. the health 100%. i mean it's tandem and uh, if we can keep our bodies in shape we can we can utilize the freedom that that gives us and then bring that into our retirement yeah that's a yeah. good point um i actually was really fascinated with exos um, I didn't get involved with athletes performance until they had changed over to Exos and I had the opportunity to do a mentorship program there. It was the fitness specialist for firefighters and, uh, it was amazing. I was blown away at the programming, the approach, all of it. And like you said, one of the things that, um, the, the team there really emphasized was specialized programming. So, for example, they would talk about the baseball players that they would train and depending on what their position was or what they wanted to focus on, whether it was hitting or pitching or whatever it may be, 
the programming was focused on that thing. And so they weren't necessarily focused on making sure that you were balanced out in regards to um, anatomy so much as balanced out in regards to how you're going to use that anatomy, 100%. you know? So like whether it's pitching on the left side or pitching or, or hitting on the left side or hitting on the right side, or even pitching on the left or pitching on the right, um, a whole different dynamic of programming for catchers, you know, spend the majority of their sports career in a crouched position. Um, all of it was very impressive to me. And so I was amazed at how they brought that over uh, with very insightful application to the firefighting world. And I spent the three days there, I think it was three days that we spent mm -hmm. there just going through this intense programming and um, specialist program. But man, it was, it was really encouraging and inspiring. And I can mm -hmm. see why, you know, they're so attractive to the people who are trying to go through their kinesiology programs. But the other thing that was really amazing was just how many uh, professional and college and uh, just local sports teams go through there because they know what they're doing. Yeah, they there's, there's a lot of trust. And, and I think that trust has been earned over many, many years of, you know, proving their value, proving, proving their worth. And honestly, it is hiring great people who care and are intelligent and who, who know enough to know that they don't know it all. And right. continuing to learn and, and be humble and take these ideas from each other and from outside sources and say, how can we be better at what we do every day? Because at the end of the day, it's not about us as coaches. It's about the people that we're working with. And so when we put that ego aside, great things can happen. And, and that's what they, they've just created this culture of like no ego. It's not about the coaches. It's truly about the athletes and finding a way to upgrade their lives in any way possible. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, and I, I love the idea of bringing that mentality to the firehouse mm -hmm. because it's not a matter of, um, how do I say this? It's not like a personal matter in regards to character. It's about a performance matter. Right. And it's fo focusing on that performance and helping you level up. You know, that's, that's really the key. And as you've heard the saying, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And I feel this is the same way. If, if we can bring that culture and that mentality into our firehouses, you know, on the most basic level to our individual crews, like first to ourselves, obviously, and then use that to inspire our crews. And then it just hopefully like trickles up. You know, we, we know about the trickle down effect. Um, but I like the idea of being able to trickle up, you know, and inspire from the ground up. So one of the things that we did at the end of every one of our training sessions, we would, um, we would do our dynamic warm ups, and then we would spend, you know, 45 to 60 minutes doing our strength training and intensity interval stuff. And then we would do our cool down and our stretches. And then we would do the hot plunge and the cold plunge. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that I, I was most amazed at the effect that it had on my body. Um, the next day I would come back absolutely ready to perform, like mm -hmm. almost full recovery after that. And over that three days, I felt more energized. I felt healthier. I felt more alert. It was really an amazing effect. Um, 
And so I know you have quite a journey to how you came to be so involved when it comes to cold therapy, um, breath practice, all of that stuff. So would you, would you walk us through that? I know it, I know it's going to take a little bit, but that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you. So <laughs> absolutely. And I'll start this conversation as I never thought I'd be the guy talking about breath work. I never thought I'd be the guy talking about, you know, ice baths the way that I do compared to the way I did when I was coaching. Um, but sometimes things happen in life that put you on a, a different path than you expected or didn't expect at all. And sometimes things just start to make sense and start to click and you're like, there's too much here for me to let this go. But I never had the intention of, of becoming a Wim Hof instructor. I never had the intention of bringing all this stuff to the fire service or public safety in general. That wasn't my thought when I first started practicing because um, I didn't have a reason to yet. And sometimes we don't have a reason to until something happens. Yeah. And so I'll kind of kind of backtrack to where this all started with the Wim Hof method and, and the breath work and the ice bath. So I was living up in Colorado Springs, working as a firefighter paramedic up there. And I was working with a chiropractor with some neck issues that I had for a while and built a pretty good relationship with him. And he knew kind of a lot about me and about, you know, the way I like to work and just kind of my mentality in general. And honestly, one day through a random conversation back in, this had to be 2000. 14, 2015. He's like, Hey Ben, you ever heard of this Wim Hof guy? I'm like, Nope, not all. I have no idea what you're talking about. I literally had never heard of this guy ever. And he's like, Hey, you should look him up. I think what he's putting out there, you'd be interested in just kind of knowing the kind of person you are. And so I was intrigued. And, you know, I think as, you know, firefighters, first responders, former athletes, we're always trying to find ways to improve and trying to find that extra 5%, 10%, whether it's mentally, physically, whatever it is, just to be a little bit better, a little stronger, a little happier. Actually, everyone has their own reasons, but we're always looking for something to help make us just a little bit better. And so I went home and like a lot of people did back in 2014, 15, when Wim Hof wasn't a very household name, is you throw his name in the Google machine and, and there's a documentary that pops up. That was the first documentary they did from Vice. And I threw it on TV or on my phone, wherever it was, and I watched it. And I was like, whoa, what this guy is doing at his age is absolutely unbelievable. Like the things that he's done, the record seeds broken with whether it's climbing up Everest in a pair of shorts, whether it's yeah. running a marathon in the desert without any water when it's 110 degrees, whether it's sitting yeah. in an ice bath for two hours and raising his body temperature, all these things that we thought were just inhuman, virtually impossible he's now saying that literally anybody can do this. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm picking up what he's putting down. I, I like what he's saying. I want to get a little better. And my big part of it was well, kind of twofold is mainly physical. When I first started looking into this method, I wanted to make my bottle, my SCBA last a little bit longer. All right. And through breathing, maybe I could do that. And also being a Phoenix native, I wasn't used to the snowy weather of beautiful Colorado. And I did not like fighting fire when it was zero degrees outside, because if you're not inside doing the work, you're standing outside and you are freezing the entire time. Yeah. And so, you know, Wim's talking about, hey, the cold doesn't have to impact you. Your environment doesn't have to impact you. You can improve your cardiovascular system, all this great stuff. So I'm like, okay, 
you know, those are all things I'm looking for. I want to be a better firefighter, a better member of my crew, better able to serve the customers that we're serving. So yeah, I'll, I'll look, I'll look into this more. And so he had an online course that he had recently put out a 10 week course, kind of the original fundamentals course and maybe called something different, but I signed up for that online and I started practicing. So I started, you know, waking up and doing this very kind of odd breathing routine with these really long breath holds and then started taking these cold showers and cold showers in Colorado are a little bit different than cold showers in Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. So they were I'm like, okay, this is, this is pretty intense. This is pretty crazy. I'm like, oh, this stuff's pretty crazy, but he's saying it works and I want to get a little better. So I will, I'll give it an honest try. And so I started practicing um, and I'm not going to say I was super consistent with it. Like I practiced for a week straight and then I missed three or four days because life happens. I had a newborn baby at home, you know, work happens and I'm tired and I don't feel like laying down and doing an intense breathing routine or jumping in an ice bath. So I was kind of hit and miss over, you know, the course of those 10 weeks, but I for sure noticed these benefits physically that he was talking about. All of a sudden, my air management was better. Um, all of a sudden, some of the cold temperatures just weren't bothering me as much. So I'm like, okay, there's something there. I'm feeling better. I'm able to perform better just by doing this breathing routine and getting a little bit cold each day. So what he's saying makes sense. And so that was kind of my first start to being like, okay, there, there's, there's something great there. I don't know quite what it is yet, but I feel better. And so you, that was back in, let's say, you know, some winter of 2016, late 2015. And at that point, um, I found out Tempe was testing again. So my focus and my intent uh, went back to, you know, trying to get my family home. This is where I'm from. You know, Tempe was my first exposure to the fire service and, you know, it was kind of my dream job back in 2006 when I first started testing for the fire service. So the Wim Hof practice, the breathing practice, the cold practice kind of took a back seat because, you know, fault of my own of not seeing the value, not seeing the importance in it with other aspects of my life yet. And to start focusing on taking the test, flying down here for interviews, all the prep that goes into, you know, the competitive process that we all know the fire service is today, especially in the Valley. And I really didn't practice or practice super inconsistently over the next six months. Um, so fortunately, I got hired uh, by Tempe and was able to move my family back home um, to, to the Phoenix area and had to go back through another fire academy, went back through Phoenix Fire. I was in 16-3. And once again, you know, you're waking up at you know 3.45 in the morning. You're not getting home till 5 o'clock at night. I got a kid at home that's a year, two years old. And so I just didn't find the time. I didn't make the time to really practice the breath work, practice the pull, because I felt fine. You know, physically, I felt fine. I was performing well. The academy was going great. No major issues popping up and everything was just kind of status quo. Um, so I kind of just forgot about it to a point and this didn't really make it a, a big part of my life because I didn't feel I needed to at that point. So fast forward a little bit, I get off out of the academy, I'm on probation. And about three months into my first phase, um, we're on duty and we're training at our training center. And I feel a pain in my left bicep as we're training. And I'm like, okay, maybe I just pulled a muscle. Maybe this is no big deal. And this is like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. So 
kind of deal with that. I put some ice on it. We continue training and, you know, we work the rest of our, our shift, get off at 8 a.m. And I'm looking at my bicep. I'm like, you know what? It's just not moving like it's supposed to. I think something might actually be wrong. And so I end up, you know, going to the workers comp doctor and they're like, yeah, you tore your distal bicep yesterday. Uh, and for obviously anybody who's on probation, that's the last thing you want to hear. There's yeah. a lot of challenges associated with probation as is. Now we're throwing on top a very, you know, challenging injury. Um, and so that was kind of the start of, you know, whatever my decline was mentally, physically, emotionally, it kind of started right there. But unfortunately, it got worse from there. So, you know, Tempe's fantastic, very supportive. They supported everything, you know, it was a work injury and then there was no questions, no issues. So I saw the orthopedic, we ended up doing surgery to repair the left distal bicep a few weeks after the injury. And originally going into the surgery, we were expecting a three to four month recovery timeframe for me to get back to full duty. So I had that number in my head, the doctor had that number in their head, the city had that number in their head, my family, my wife, my kid, everyone were thinking, okay, three to four months, small blip, little speed bump, no big deal. We're going to come back and we're going to be just fine. So about six months in to this three to four month injury, I am showing pretty much no improvement whatsoever. I am having these nerve pains down my entire elbow into my left hand that I could only describe as if you lit sandpaper on fire and rubbed your arm 24 hours a day with it, that's what it felt like. And on top of that, with my rehab, I couldn't lift more than five pounds in a bicep curl without uh, feeling like my arm is just literally going to snap in half. Like that's oh man. It felt like every time I do it, my arm is just going to break right in the middle. Jeez. And so I go back to my orthopedic, you know, multiple times during the six month period saying, hey, something's not right. You know, something, this doesn't feel right. I can't lift this kind of weight. And she's like, Hey, the tendon's good. You're good to go. You have to find a way mentally to get past this barrier that you've set up in your head that you have to find a way to get past this pain because there's nothing wrong. The, the tendon's good. The repair was good. The surgery went well. And so right there after that conversation, I'm like, am I done? Like if my surgeon's telling me that I'm good to go, Yet I can't lift more than five pounds and my arm is basically on fire 24 hours a day, no matter what medications I'm taking, pain meds, nerve meds, everything is my career over before it even starts. Right. And so this is where that decline got even deeper. And, you know, I go back to, you know, I was in Colorado Springs. We were super happy, great fire department, great people up there. Did I just give up everything to come home, get hurt? and lose everything I've worked for over the past 10 years. And so on top of that, you know, I have a, at that time, a two or three year old son who I can't play with. I can't pick up. I can't go to the park with, I can't do anything with them because my left arm is just in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I'm not being a good father. You know, I'm not being a good husband because I'm in my head all the time thinking, why me? Why has this happened to me? You know, you start getting this attitude of, man, the world's out to get me. This isn't fair or, you know, whatever it is we say to ourselves. I've lost it all. I'm never going to get back to who I was. 
and then you start questioning your identity. You know, I used to be this, you know, physically fit guy, I played college sports, and now I can't even, can't even lift five pounds. So if I can't do any of that, I can't be a firefighter, then who am I? I'm, I'm nobody. And that's, I'd look at myself in the mirror and be like, I don't recognize who I am anymore. Um, I was at a total loss. I was at my lowest point physically, at my lowest point mentally, emotionally, just a deep downward spiral. And on top of that, about two weeks before I got hurt, my wife had quit her job to focus on some things that we were trying to build together. And so we all know the salary of a probationary firefighter is, is not great. It's good, but it's very difficult to support a family on one yeah, source of income. And now I'm staring down, you know, the potential of completely losing my career. So I have this financial stress on top of us. I have this, you know, stress of I'm not taking care of my kid. I'm not helping out my wife. I'm not doing the job I want. I'm sitting behind a desk eight hours a day, you know, pushing paper that, you know, no one signs up to be a firefighter to go on light duty. It's the last thing we ever want to do. It's a tremendous benefit, but no one, that's not why we do this job. We do it so we can be of service and have purpose. And I felt like I was literally losing everything. And even during this time, I still didn't return to the breath work. I still didn't return to the cold because I didn't know or think it could help with what I was going through. I just, I didn't know enough about it. So I ended up getting a second opinion, clearly six months later. Well, let me go back. Before my second opinion, my last appointment with my first surgeon, we did a nerve conduction study and it showed just damage, tremendous damage to multiple nerves. Uh, one nerve was completely cut and two were almost completely cut, um, which there was no nerve injury before the surgery. So something happened, unfortunately, oh, uh, during the surgery or during recovery um, that wasn't caught. And that you know wasn't listened to as I was telling my surgeon, hey, I'm having all these problems. And the last conversation I had with her was, I don't know what else to do for you. You got to go find someone else. Um, so I'm like, okay, there's no answer. You're telling me I got to find someone else. Let me go find someone else. So I ended up finding a new surgeon. Uh, we did an MRI, and he's like, yeah, we got to start completely over. Your attendant's not even attached. It's just spot oh. tissue sitting in there. And so when he went in there to repair it, not only was the tendon not attached, the screw that was supposed to secure it wasn't secure to the bone and was just bouncing around and oh just causing gosh. more damage every time I, I tried to move it. So on the positive side, I had an answer as to why I wasn't recovering, as to why I was in so much pain all the time. On the negative side, I was already down this pretty dark hole that I didn't know how I was going to come out of. And even my surgeon said, you know, we can repair a repair, but the chances of success of you getting back to work, you know, I don't want to lie to you. They're not great. And so we have all this stuff going on, right? All these stressors, my environment's chaotic. My, my life is not what I expected it to be. I've lost my identity. I've lost who I th thought I was. I've lost my ability to serve and to help and, you know, all the things that, that we get to do as firefighters. And so I ended up watching another video online about Wim Hof and I started learning about the mental impact, the mental health impact of the breath work in the cold. And I started seeing all these testimonials about people with anxiety, with depression, with pain of how they were able to overcome all these things that I was going through at this very moment with the same method I had learned about about six months earlier. And so I was excited to read that. And 
after the second surgery, I'm like, okay, I need to commit to this because I have nothing else to lose. I've, I've looked for all the answers. I haven't found them all. I'm not where I want to be in life. Things aren't going the right direction. I need to try something. And so I made a promise to myself is I was going to commit to this method. I'm going to wake up every single day. I'm going to do the breath work. I'm going to somehow get cold and let's just see what happens. And, you know, I read about somewhere, you know, the habit takes about 21 days to, to form. And so I'm like, all right, give me 21 days, three weeks. I'm going to wake up every single day. I'm going to do this work and let's just see how I feel. So 21 days goes by and I keep going. I keep going. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm breathing. I'm getting cold. I'm not noticing a whole lot of changes, but I'm feeling pretty good. Um, go back to visit the doctor. I'm still in quite a bit of pain. Things still aren't quite working. And we end up having to do a third surgery because of all the damage that was done. I had scar tissue wrap around the radial nerve and pinch it off just enough to let just some signals by to cause a bunch of pain. So to go in and kind of scrape scar tissue off that radial nerve as best we could. But as we all know, whenever you have surgery, scar tissue is going to be a byproduct of any surgery. Mm -hmm. So he's like, we'll do the best we can. We'll try and get this scar tissue off, but it may not help entirely. I was like, okay. You know, I was, I was okay with that. Continued waking up, doing my breathing, doing my cold work, feeling pretty good. And then about two months after the second surgery, um, you know, I'm at the training center and those of us that have been on light duty, we are used to people asking the question, Hey, how you doing? When are you coming back? And as well-meaning as that question is yeah. getting that question asked 20 times a day by 20 different people, when your answer continues to be, I don't know, things aren't going well, I'm struggling, whatever it is you're saying, it gets really old, really fast. And like I said, I know it's coming from a good place. People want you back on the truck. They want you back doing what you love doing. But answering the same question the same way over and over again definitely takes a toll mentally when you're having to do it all the time. And so that was happening while I was at the training center on my duty. And about two months after I committed to doing the breath work in the cold every single day, I had a captain come up to me. And I, you know, I was still in a sling at the time for my third surgery. And it's like, hey, Ben, how you doing? You know, the typical question that I was getting all the time. And I looked at him and I said, you know what, Cap? I've literally never felt better in my entire life. And he looked at me like, what'd you just say? And I kind of caught myself like, wait, what did I just say? Yeah. But I was being honest between my ears and my head. That was literally the best I ever felt in my entire life, regardless mm -hmm. of my circumstances of me being still injured my future being uncertain. Mentally, I was the happiest I had been in my entire life. Hmm. And the only thing that I was doing was waking up, doing some breath work, somehow getting cold every single day. And that's when I knew in my heart that there was something pretty special about what this guy Wim Hof was doing. What he was putting out there can have a tremendous impact, not only physically, but more for me and to me, my fellow first responders from the mental health aspect of everything that we have to go through. And that's what truly inspired me to go down the path of becoming an instructor. Cause I thought to myself, man, if I can feel this good right now in my head, in spite of all the challenges I'm facing, who else needs this? Who else needs something like this in their life 
because of how challenging their environment is, whether it's the home life, whether it's the work life, whether it's policy run, whatever it is, who else needs the ability to take control of your nervous system and find a way to be happy because of something that you are doing for yourself. And that's what put me on the path to go become a Wim Hof instructor. And I kept breathing, kept getting cold in 16 months after that first surgery, I went back on a fire truck and I have been good ever since. In spite of the permanent nerve damage, the permanent issues with my arm, no, nothing's affected at work. I'm hundred percent, I'm good to go. I've learned how to redefine what pain is. I've learned how to redefine what discomfort is. So those things that used to bother me so much, all of a sudden, as opposed to being an anvil that I'm holding on to, it's like a feather I can just brush off and be like, nope, that's not a big deal. I don't have to worry about that. So that's kind of what happened and that's where I was. And it's been now five, six years of me practicing and I still practice every single day and every day keeps getting better. That's amazing, man. That is quite the story. Um, you said a lot in there that really, that really stuck out to me. Um, those of us who are currently on with the fire department or even testing, we know how grueling it is and how it's a bunch of ups and downs and you really have to take risks and invest without any real guarantee of return. Mm -hmm. And so when you get that ticket to have it pulled from you seemingly like that, it, it's, it can just be devastating. And like you said, so much of our career relies on our physical ability, but at the same time, the other side of that balance is the, the mental ability and our, our mental resilience in that. And to have both of those things hit with a sledgehammer so hard to come back is, is truly uh, inspirational. And it, and it actually reminds me of uh, the analogy of like a diving board or, or a trampoline. So when you're on the edge of that diving board, you know, you can get pretty scared, but the only way you're going to get the launch or the lift that you need to perform or execute an amazing dive is to go down first, is mm -hmm. to be pushed down, and then it launches you off. And uh, man, that was how reaffirming, you know, I mean, to, to understand and to be in that space for so long and, and to keep trucking through, um, coming out of it on the other end. And looking back, I can only imagine how, how reaffirming it is for you. I mean, yeah, you know, it is. And obviously I, I didn't do it alone, you know? My, oh, of course. Yeah. You know, my, my, my wife, Jessica, she's taught me so much about turning whatever the trauma is that we're facing, whether it's a physical issue a mental issue, emotional issue, trying to redefine that trauma in the purpose and, you know, for her and, and the way she grew up and she's very open about this stuff. You know, she suffered every bit of trauma you can imagine as a, as a little girl growing up into her teen, teenage years. Yeah. And, and she found a way to look back at that and repurpose that experience. And it's really hard to understand that when you're going through something, you know, I don't expect people to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel where you're in the midst of whatever challenges yeah. are going on in your life. But trying to turn these challenges that you faced in life, whether it is something as significant as childhood trauma, abuse, whatever that, whatever that might be for someone, and then turning that into, into lessons and then redefining that into purpose of how can I use what I went through to then serve others? 
Right. How can I use my experience of where I was to then be able to help people that I care about? And that's yeah. what, you know, she taught me. And I'll tell you what, I was super hesitant to bring this method to the fire service specifically for the mental health aspect because mental health is such a huge topic yeah. and we're getting a lot better about talking about it and having really, really candid conversations at work. But I was still hesitant and I was, I was afraid, Oh, what are people going to think about me talking about this or, or, you know, am I the right person? You know, I, who am I to talk about mental health? But she's the one who pushed like, no, your, your fire family needs to know about this. They need to know yeah. that they don't have to suffer in silence. They don't have to continue going down this track and getting deeper and deeper into this hole that there is a way out. And it's something so simple, such as breathing in some cold water to help people understand that no matter what's going on in their life, they have the ability to feel good right now. And, and that's, that's the power behind it. And, and she's, she's been the muse that's encouraged me to bring it out. And the beautiful thing is once, once I brought it out, all those things I thought in my head that were going to happen didn't. Everyone has been, this is awesome. We want more of this. When are you doing more classes? I feel great. I get off a 24 hour shift. I do my breath work and have a great day with my family. And so she was right from the beginning that our, our family needs stuff like this, needs these tools because we deserve it. We deserve to be happy. We deserve to be healthy. And our family deserves us to be happy and healthy, regardless of the challenges that we're facing at work. Yeah. Well, and ultimately everybody benefits, right? I mean, like your relationship with your wife, uh, that's I'm sure much stronger. Yeah. You're working in tandem. Um, your, your family life is, is that much stronger and shored up your, your firehouse family life, I'm sure is, is, you know, cohesive. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just all around good. And like you said, your, your mentality really does have play a big part. The mental health aspect of it plays a huge part. Um, one thing you said is your environment doesn't have to impact you. And, and you kind of took that from, from Wim Hof, but, um, man, how, how true is that? It, and it sounds easy to say, mm -hmm. and, and people like, I think like to make excuses and say things like, well, it's easier said than done. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, everything is easier said than right. done. <laughs> but, um, that, that is a really good, um, like mantra, I think to keep in mind mm -hmm. your environment doesn't have to impact you. And ultimately you have the choice, right? I mean, and we all have those, those times in our lives where we're going through something dark, um, you know, whether it's divorce or you've been trying to get hired for five years, seven years, and it's just not happening and you feel lost. You feel like you want to just give up and forget about it. Um, but ultimately it came down to your, your choosing your perspective. And like you said, um, when, that individual asked you, how are you feeling? And you were just like, I feel great. I feel the best I've ever felt, you know? And, and it, from the way you said it, it, it kind of, you know, I'm sure you surprised yourself, but, uh, and ultimately like it was the choice that you made mm -hmm. to have that perspective, to have that outlook. Um, and, uh, that really speaks to me in regards to the, uh, the mental health side of things. But then even on the, uh, the physical side, you talked about, doing bit by bit each day, your breath work, the cold showers, things like that, breath by breath, um, taking those small, simple steps forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, man, like a cold shower here in the Phoenix area is, is more like a lukewarm shower. And so <laughs> there are some things we have to do to like 
compound that and make it a little bit more effective. But honestly, even just doing that, if you were to just do that, take five breaths in the quote unquote cold water um, and just practice that every day, you're going to foster that sense of discipline. You're going to build that habit. And those two things working together, man, that's, that's going to be what launches you into to truly amazing things. Um, it's, very, it's very powerful in, in, you know, the cold is just a, an analogy for any challenging environment you're going to face, you know, whether it's, you know, going on a structure fire with victims trapped, whether it's going on a cardiac arrest, a pediatric call, whether it's having an argument with your significant other, except financial challenges, marriage challenges, divorce, the, the cold is that analogy is all that is an external environment. It just is. And if you can learn to maintain control, maintain clear thoughts, maintain calm emotion, maintain your breath, you don't have to let all those things on the outside impact who you are. You don't have yeah. to let all those challenges in the environment impact your thoughts. You know, we, we think 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. How many of those thoughts are negative thoughts and how many of those thoughts are positive thoughts? And for most of us, we envision the worst case scenario and everything because that's how our nervous system is designed. If we think about the worst case scenario, well, then when it happens, we're going to be prepared. But then we can talk for length about the nervous system and how that thought impacts your nervous system, just as if it's happening in, in real time. And, and to me, that's where this method really, really has an impact on the mental health of all first responders. Um, obviously, you know, I'm a firefighter. I don't, can't speak for police officers or those in the military, but those that I've worked with, it, there, there's, there's a lot of similarities between the stresses and the traumas that we face. And, and something I was told a long time ago is that stress has no bias. So whether we're at work and we're up for 24 straight hours, you know, I'm married, I have a kid, my wife's at home, she has her stresses. If my stress isn't more important than her stress, because we all experience stress differently, we all experience it in different ways, we all handle it differently. So no one stress is more important than the other, but we can all try and help each other and be there for each other and give each other these tools to hopefully be more comfortable and not let those stressors impact us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you have, uh, you have, oh, and one of the things I was going to kind of dovetail off of that was that it definitely applies to, like you said, us as firefighters, but it does, I think, run the gamut. Uh, and in regards to honestly, everybody could benefit from this. I think it's like a mental hardening uh, mindset issue. And, you know, in a world where people are so focused on being frightened about uncertainty, you know, as long as you remain certain in yourself, I feel like that's the key. That's yeah. the thing that's going to help us, you know, push through, maintain our strength, maintain our health, uh, you know, physically and mentally, and uh, allow us to create these fulfilling lives that we deserve. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and practically on the fire ground, if you can control your emotions, control your mentality, I mean, that's what people expect of us, you know, regardless of what is happening in our own personal lives, regardless of what time of day it is, we are expected to be able to hone it in, to be able to perform at any given moment. And, you know, that's what we promised in our interviews. And that's what these, that's what the people we serve deserve. That's what they deserve. 
And so by having these, these methods and these tools to be able to use and shore that up is just, is just absolutely incredible. And I feel like this is going to really help benefit the, the, the guys and gals listening to this. Um, so I know you have your own thing going on as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about your website, about the things that you're offering there and, and how my guys and gals can connect with you either on social media or through your website. Yeah, no, absolutely. So my wife and I, we, we started this company connect to it um, a couple years ago. And, and the reason we chose connect to it is we want to be able to connect people to whatever it is, it is that they need because everyone needs something a little bit different. You know, I, I teach the, the breath work and I teach the cold. I teach the Wim Hof method. My wife does some other stuff. You know, she does Reiki. If you ever heard of Reiki, it's kind of some energy type healing that kind of seems a little bit off the wall, but she's had plenty of firefighters and professional athletes on her table that leave that session. Like what the heck just happened? Cause when we boil down to it, a lot of stuff is just about energy and improving energy or, or however you want to look at it. So right. she Absolutely. does a lot of that, you know, she, she, she's a master neurolinguistic uh, programmer. She does hypnotherapy. So, and what she uses is a lot of her experience as a child of what she went through growing up to then help impact, like I said, repurpose her trauma, repurpose her stress to then serve others and, and help other people going through, whether it's something similar or just a completely different trauma because she brings a very unique perspective perspective to the table. Yeah, so we have a website, it's connecttoit.co, not connecttoit.com. And then our you know, Instagram, we're at connecttoit. And you know, we offer you know, classes. You know, I, I teach the method pretty regularly at various different facilities throughout the valley. I've been doing some virtual breathwork sessions um, with COVID going on. It just made it easier for people to log on to a Zoom and, and let me show you the right way to do the breath work because you can go online and you can look up a YouTube video and there's good stuff out there, but as big as the online platform is, there's some stuff that isn't quite as good and may not be quite as safe. And it's important to understand as, as much as we take the breath for granted and as much as maybe we don't think the cold water can be dangerous, all that stuff can be extremely dangerous. So it's very important to learn the right and safe way to do a practice like this. And, and the reason I'm saying that is what we're doing is we're using a, a term called hormesis, which means exposing your, your physiology to a certain amount of stress for a certain amount of time to adapt and become stronger. Whereas if you expose yourself to the same stressor, the breath and the cold for too long, it would be detrimental. You know, we're not gonna have someone go work out for 15 hours a day. No, we're gonna work out for very specific sets very specific reps with very specific form to hopefully adapt and become stronger and then come back stronger for the next session. And it's the same thing that we're doing, but we're doing it at the most basic, deep physiological level of who we are with our nervous system, with our autonomic nervous system, learning how to take control of the things that we thought were uncontrollable. Um, so we can reach, like I said, our emails are on there. I'm sure we can link it to, to this video. Um, I post quite a bit of, of stuff on Instagram as far as how to take cold showers in Phoenix, you know, during <laughs> the summer. And, you know, a little life hack we found is to buy a little camping shower off of Amazon or REI. You get a five gallon bucket filled with a bunch of ice and you can take a 35 degree shower literally whatever and wherever you want. Yeah. And that's what I have at work. I have a little five gallon bucket in my shower at work. So when it's 115 degrees in Phoenix, I know I can always find a way to get my cold practice in 
every single day, whether I'm on duty or off duty, just to once again, like talk, maintain that discipline, maintain that focus, maintain the ability to stay comfortable in what we once perceived as a challenging or uncomfortable environment. But now yep. that environment has become comfortable to me. So then my, my span of what I feel as my comfort zone has now expanded. And all of a sudden it doesn't impact me just like other stressors in life just don't impact me like they used to. Nice. Awesome, man. Yeah. He who masters himself masters the universe, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I've got uh, the Ignited Recruit Academy coming up next week, actually. And uh, so it's like a six week program where I help uh, facilitate people who are trying to get hired with the fire service into the right mindset and practiced in interviews and, and we go over um, physical fitness, all of it. But week one is only spent on knowing yourself. That's awesome. You know, That's figuring out who it is you are. And, yeah. and through all of this, I mean, you definitely have figured out who you are. And I appreciate the fact that you're helping other people do that very same thing through these practices and methods that you've, that you've ultimately mastered. I mean, you, you get to a point where once you learn so much about something to the point where you're teaching it, by yeah. definition, you're, you're the master. So thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate this. I, I'm definitely going to be reaching out to you. I'm actually trying to put together right now uh, a freezer for myself. I'm going to be, you know, using caulking and, and, and sealing that up and, and keeping it just that's above freezing. My, that's what I have in my garage right now. I got my chest freezer that I awesome. can sit in literally whenever I want. Like it's, it's awesome. the most amazing thing that I never thought about until I saw it online a couple years ago. And awesome. now there's a whole subculture of chest freezer cold plungers. A awesome. guy actually wrote a book about it, about how oh. to set up your own chest freezer cold plunge. Great. And I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a whole Facebook group that's literally dedicated to turning your chest freezer into a cold tub. Perfect. There's yeah. like another one of uh, like 25 different groups I'm in, but I'm going to have to add that one to the list. <laughs> Right on, man. Well, thanks so much. And uh, like I said, I'll be reaching out to you soon, but I really appreciate you coming on, contributing your knowledge and, and skill. And, and I'm sure the people listening are definitely going to be getting something out of this. So, Well, thank you for doing what you're doing and facilitating all the people you've had on to speak. I've enjoyed listening to all of them. And like I said, it's just good to have, you know, we're a family in the fire service. We're here to take care of each other and using our experience and our challenges in life just to help each other is, is, a, is a great way to to make sure that family stays intact for a long time. Amen. Right on, buddy. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. I right, see you around. Take care. Well, today was a bit of a nice introduction to, uh, to Ben Dubin. He has got a wealth of knowledge in regards to physical training, kinesiology. Uh, one of the things that I'd like to get him to come back on the show and talk about, which he's agreed to, is like the neurological and the physiological effects of specifically breath work and cold plunge therapy. Um, he is incredibly knowledgeable, knowledgeable about that. And uh, I really want to do a deep dive into that. So in the future, just subscribe and make sure you listen up, listen to the, uh, the follow-up episode. We're going to do like a part two, I guess, if you will, of this. And we're going to dive deeper into these things that we kind of mentioned and touched on a bit. But uh, I feel like you guys could get a lot more value out of, uh, out of Ben and the knowledge that he has and the insight that he has to offer. So appreciate you guys listening. Please like, subscribe, and share. And remember, if you see a need, own it and take action.
Be the firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited.